Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Welcome back to Stand Strong in the Word. Jason Jimenez here. So glad that you're tuning in once again to the podcast as we're going through a chronological reading of the Gospel accounts. Okay, so last time we were talking about the birth announcement of the greatest prophet to come, John the Baptist. Today's uh, topic now in discussion through the scriptures as we're going through this reading is found in Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26. I'm going to read all the way to verse 56. And this has to do now with the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. So this is the great Christmas story. We're going to be getting into this. Next podcast, we're going to be unpacking after verse 57 of Luke chapter 1, the advent of John the Baptist. And we're going to be examining the prayer, the praise, the worship of his father as he comes into this world again and later on to basically lay out uh, this repentance, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the message of John the Baptist, and make way, obviously, for the coming Messiah. And then we'll then look, uh, reflect back into Matthew and to some of the details that took place after these announcements that were given to one, first Elizabeth, and then Mary, and then when Mary and Elizabeth uh, joined together, and then the birth of John the Baptist. And then we're going to see after that point, what I believe chronologically, what happened between Mary and Joseph before giving birth to Jesus Christ. So again, it's pretty cool because we start really examining the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and really kind of getting a sense of the sequential orders of the events. It really puts things in perspective. So again, that's that's the task before us to, to understand the scriptures and all of its fullness. So with that being said, Father, we just pray that you bless this time we have in your word. I just pray those who listen will continue to stand strong in your word. And Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for this announcement that happened in scripture. And we just pray that we put our faith and trust in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How would this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste in the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. Wow. So again, some great uh, account uh, accounts of the life uh, of not just uh, amazing men and women that oftentimes get overshadowed when you're talking about John the Baptist and certainly Jesus Christ. But it is certainly amazing, and we'll be unfolding this in the next few podcasts when you kind of look in Matthew's account of the announcement and how he, uh, he Joseph, and Mary dealt with this uh, prophetic announcement of giving birth to the Messiah, the promised one. And so when you look at these things, there's a lot of things that kind of stand out. So what I'm going to do in today's podcast is just real quickly kind of touch on a few things and then drive it home with a few application points that hopefully will encourage you in your faith. Now, as we as as it was mentioned here in the in the gospel of Luke, the notice it says in verse 26 in the 6th month the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Okay, so 6 months after Elizabeth conceives with the baby. All right, so she is 6 months if you will pregnant. And here we are introduced again to Gabriel who visits Mary notice in in Nazareth. Now she receives this message that certainly, as Elizabeth and Zechariah were shocked, uh, even more so would be Mary. She's not even married yet. She's never um, had sexual relationships with, with, with any man. She, uh, she's young. Some people, scholars, New Testament things, as I was researching once again, uh, factor to be 12 to 14 years old, roughly in that, in that ballpark. Some people may say a little bit older, but, but listen, the point is Mary was well under the age of 18 years old. Um, so she certainly was shocked to hear this news when she was told by Gabriel. Uh, so in one sense, you have Elizabeth who got the shocking news from her husband who returns back after our, uh, doing his duties as a priest that we're going to give birth at an old age. Okay. Now, Gabriel now appears to Mary at a young age, and yet she hasn't even had sex. So it's just interesting how these things unfold. Okay, so when you look at verse uh, 26, you remember Gabriel? There's only one other person. I mean, if you mention Lucifer, who then became Satan, who fell, and he's mentioned in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel uh, 28. 
But we're introduced to Gabriel once again. And remember, he appeared to Zechariah in the temple. And before that, remember, he appeared to the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And so now here he is uh, appearing before Mary. We know about Gabriel. He says, remember, I stand in the presence of God. We also know that he's a messenger. There are many angels um, that are messengers of God, and they are ministering spirits, as we know as well. And so Gabriel has a unique call. He is not only there with Daniel, he not only appears to Zechariah and remember 400 years of silence, and an angel speaks and says the next prophet's going to come. And, and what's going to be unique about this prophet is that he is going to be announcing the coming Messiah and so now Gabriel is telling Mary that you will give birth to this, this, um, this Messiah. And so notice when you look at Luke chapter 1 in verses 30 through 33, Gabriel announces not just the humanity of Jesus, but also his deity. Remember, as a Christian, we believe in Jesus being the God-man, fully God and fully man. Many years later, after the church was started and a lot of the apostles were out there preaching the gospel and expanding and building on the Christian faith, there was a lot of movement, especially in the early church, of uh, alternative views, which we would call heresy, false teachers that were saying that Jesus, you know, like docetism was one particular movement uh, hundreds of years after Jesus Christ uh, died and rose again. And their view was that Jesus was more like a phantom, you know, um, more immaterial. And a lot of it was made up. There was other views that Jesus was half man, half God, and a lot of views that God cannot partake of matter, meaning bodily stuff, because matter is evil in its substance and essence. Therefore, God cannot partake with evil. So there's a lot of different alternative views. But clearly in the context of Scripture here, we believe in the full deity and full humanity of Jesus Christ. And it's here articulated in Luke chapter 1 by Gabriel. But notice another thing that's important as we always look at God's way to uh, speak into something uh, that is not recognized of any uniqueness or specialty whatsoever. If you go back to, again to Father Abraham, right? If you go back to looking how God used Moses, etc. Now here we see Gabriel coming into a town, Nazareth. Now the people in Judah, they disdained the Jews in Galilee because of their interaction and close proximity to the Gentiles. Yet here we see Gabriel coming to Mary, okay, God sends Gabriel to announce to a lowly Galilean that she will be the mother of the Most High God in verse 32. That is amazing. Mary, you know, as we know, was a Jewess of the tribe of Judah. We know that she was a descendant of David. We also know that she was young, as I mentioned before, and we're going to see in Matthew uh, chapter 1, and we also are, are introduced to Joseph and some details later on in the Gospels are mentioned about who Joseph was. For example, Matthew 13, he was a carpenter. So we know that she was betrothed to this carpenter, Joseph. We know that she was a virgin in, here in Luke chapter 1, verse 27, which is also a prophecy that was put in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, 14. We also know that the two of them were not wealthy because later on, when they're giving their offerings at the temple in Luke chapter 2, verse 24, they didn't have uh, enough money to give um, you know, higher, more expensive sacrifices. And so they were able to give the pigeons of what poor people were able to give. So that's Gabriel. Uh, we talked a little bit about Nazareth. We talked about Mary. Uh, but I want to focus a little bit um, on our time together on this podcast about the name Jesus Christ. 
Now, Jesus, as we know in the Greek, is Yeshua, or we get the word Joshua, the name Joshua. So Joshua is Yeshua, and it literally means Jehovah Savior. Now, when you take Christ, again, Jesus Christ is not his first and last name, okay? It's a title that's given to him to recognize his priesthood, his prophetic, and his kingship. Christ in the Greek is Messiah, okay? That's where we get it from the Hebrew word Mashiach, and that means the anointed one. Now, remember when I was telling you about the virgin birth was was prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14, when we mentioned it here in Luke chapter 1. Um, but what's also uh, interesting is when you go further in Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, there's several titles that are given to the coming Messiah, in this case, Jesus Christ. Uh, the Hebrew word, and, and, and I'm going to go through some of these words, um, you know, the wonderful counselor, everlasting God, you know, that those things. Well, the Hebrew word translated for wonderful means extraordinary, which is sometimes translated miracle or the miraculous. It usually is used in reference to God and his work. So when it says wonderful counselor, wonderful is God is at work. He is doing miraculous work. Um, He's doing something special. Again, he's a perfect God and what he does and what he executes is perfectly done. So it's saying that this Messiah who would come will do the work of God. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Also, the word is another word that is a title that's given is counselor. And the Hebrew is literally uh, carries the idea of design. It denotes a qu- qualities of wisdom essential for a just ruler. Uh, now look at mighty God in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Uh, could be translated divine warrior. This title stresses that Jesus' power that he will have will carry out all that is necessary and intended by God. And, the, and the, another one, the, the, the phrase translated everlasting father has no precedent whatsoever in the Old Testament. It, it seems to refer to compassion for those who are helpless. And we clearly see that throughout Jesus' ministry, particularly when one comes to mind in Matthew chapter 9, when he looks upon the people and they were sheep without a shepherd and he, he moved with compassion upon them. Of course, when he looks down at the people who, who persecuted him and dragged him before the high priest and had Pontius Pilate deliver him to the hands of the Jewish people to be crucified, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the love of an everlasting father. And it also might refer to his guidance and his correction of his people. And finally, the phrase translated Prince of God, or or excuse me, Prince of Peace, indicates the circumstances that Christ's ministry will bring about, meaning ultimately lasting peace. Not only in Colossians 3.15, that when Christ rules in our hearts, we have that peace and we're united with him, but he will one day establish everlasting peace. So Jesus Christ, Jehovah Savior, uh, the Anointed One, is a powerful name, a powerful title that is that distinguishes him from any other figure ever. I mean, and so you know clearly as we are introduced here, the Virgin Birth, which is a miracle, we see here beginning in verse thirty-four, and the word used here for Virgin in the Greek is Parthenos. It literally, it just it explicitly lays out. The meaning, and it's stating here in the con- in context as Luke is writing, that what Gabriel was saying that she would give birth, and when Mary responded, says, "But I'm a virgin." She's saying, "I've had no sexual relations." And then, of course, he says, Gabriel says, "The Holy Spirit will indwell will indwell in you. Will 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 plant this in you." How do you do that? I have no clue. But you know, when you talk about these type of miraculous type of things, clear, there are clearly going to be the critics 
And there's tons of books out there. I was even surfing YouTube, just checking out some of the angles that people try to to reason away the virgin birth. So many critics come out against the Bible and Jesus because they don't believe in miracles. And, and again, the virgin birth clearly is a miracle. Um, but they believe it to be a paganistic myth that um, Christianity, as it was developing, copied from Greek mythology. Okay, But one thing I want to do is just stress briefly is looking at the examination of the virgin birth and many of the predictive prophecies that Jesus came to fulfill his first go-around. Remember, there's other prophecies out there that Jesus will fulfill his second go-around when he returns a second time, this time as king to establish his kingdom. Now, the Old Testament has approximately 200 predictive prophecies uh, by many of its prophets who foretold of the coming Messiah. One comes to mind is Psalm 2, verse 7, where it says, you are my son, today I become your father. Now, according to this messianic passage, God declares Christ to be the begotten son of God from all eternity. Think about this. Over 700 years prior to Christ's arrival, Isaiah prophesied these words. In Isaiah seven fourteen, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and, and we will call him Emmanuel, which we know is means God with us. Therefore, when Jesus came on scene, he was the long-awaited Messiah who would be the one to fulfill all messianic prophecies that existed prior to his coming. For example, Christ not only fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy of the virgin birth, but he also single-handedly fulfilled every significant predictive prophecy of the anticipated Messiah foretold by the prophets. So if you take, for instance, Christ was born in Bethlehem, Mark 5, uh, Micah 5, 2, he fulfilled that prophecy, that he would come from the tribe of Judah in, Gen- in Genesis 49, verse 10, and that he would be uh, a direct descendant of the king of David in 2 Samuel 7, verse 16, and that he, he happened to be born, I love this one, that he would happen to be born exactly 483 years after the destruction of the temple in 444 B.C., as was prophesied by the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Remember the, the angel who spoke to the, to the prophet Daniel, Gabriel, and who was the one that spoke to Elizabeth that she would give birth to a prophet who would prepare the way for the coming Messiah, Gabriel, and who was the one that spoke to Mary that she would give birth to the promised Son of God, Gabriel. So see, God has this whole thing orchestrated, the amazing thing, too, when you look at this phrase, Son of God, remember when it said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you? And Gabriel says, therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy, the Son of God, in verse 35. This is recognizing the God-man. This is recognizing the second person of the Trinity. This is recognizing, remember, John's uh, prologue, or excuse me, John's opening remarks that he talked about when, it, when he was looking at the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. Now we're getting into the phase of the incarnation. Remember, Emmanuel, God with us, God dwelling with us as the incarnation. John lays out in his account, we talked about it a few podcasts ago, that Christ existed from all eternity. There's never been a time where Jesus has not existed. Now here he's taking on flesh. He's taking on a second nature, which does not defy, diminish, or delude his deity. But it's recognizing that Jesus, who is God, will become the Son of God as he takes on flesh, but still recognized, as we looked at all the titles given of Jesus Christ, 
in Isaiah chapter 9 that he is the awaited one. He will take on the weight of uh, of, of our sin. He will die to our sin uh, and he will resur- be resurrected and he will defeat sin. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's, it's amazing. So what do you do with this in the end as we wrap things up? Well, what did Mary do? She gives what is known as the Magnificat in Latin, means the glories. She gives a Jewish psalm of praise to God. What's interesting also about this praise to God that, that uh, Mary gives on account of what she heard from the, from the angel Gabriel, it, it echoes that of the prayer of Hannah when she would give birth to arguably, I believe, the greatest priest slash prophet. Okay, now you said, you, I thought you said John the Baptist's greatest prophet. He's the greatest who's ever lived, Jesus says. But as a priest prophet in the Old Testament, Samuel clearly, uh, hands down, was the man that fulfilled an office that no one else really uniquely did as he anointed the kings of Israel. So Hannah gave that prayer uh, to God in First Samuel 2. And so it kind of reflects or echoes uh, that, which is interesting when you're looking through the parallels between this Magnificent by Mary and you look at First Samuel 2 verses 1 through 10. Now Mary, what's interesting too, in verses 51 through 54, it's almost a prophetic uh, language that she's putting out in this Magnificent of expressing what her son, what the Messiah will do. So that's pretty fascinating when you look at these different accounts. For example, in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Another one says here, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now notice what's interesting. That is yet to take place. And yet she is laying out what the Messiah will do. So what would be a fascinating study that you can do is look at these different accounts that Mary lays out prophetically that Jesus Christ will do, and then look throughout the gospel accounts to see where those have have been fulfilled. Okay, so that is the announcement, the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. And so I want to just wrap things up by just really, as we looked at Mary, her faith, as we looked at this uh, announcement given to her by an angel, could you imagine the pressure, the fear, how troubled she was as she contemplated these things, but she was resilient. It's amazing to see how she's endured. But another takeaway that I really want to express to you as we close is the prayer and praise that Mary offers God. And so I ask you, how does your prayers sound to God? How worshipful? What's your demeanor like? How do you express yourself to the Lord today? You know, God desires to have an intimate relationship with us. And one way to do that, and I so commend you, is by studying His Word. And so that's why we want to be here with you. I want to be able to take this journey with you guys as we study through God's Scriptures. And I also want to leave you with this this, this blessing from Scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. So as you reflect about your prayer life, uh, your worshipfulness, as you look at Mary and you see this magnificent praise that she gives in the midst of great great, not tragedy, but a great testing, a great testing in our life. And so as we're being tested, as, as God uh, stretches us, we are, we are to be found faithful to him, to trust in him, to depend on him. And so let me leave you with this blessing as we end this podcast. It says in Romans 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.